Hello and welcome to Comic Majors Podcast. I'm Brian Costello. And I'm Jim DeSanto. And today we're going to be looking at a double feature for the first time ever. Uh, the M. Night Shyamalan, uh, two of the three-part trilogy that he's created here, Unbreakable and Split. But first, as always, we ask the most pressing question of every episode. What are we drinking this episode? I am going with uh, Four Roses Single Barrel. Excellent. I am going the Philly route in honor of M. Night Shyamalan. I'm drinking Yard's Rival IPA. Delicious. How is that? I haven't uh, had that one yet. It's really good. I, yeah. I really I'm enjoying it. It's uh, I had never had this one either. So for Christmas, like I said, my brother Kevin had uh, sent some yards up here because we can't get it in Massachusetts. Mm. Uh, so it's fantastic. It's great. Uh, all right. So let's get into fact check from last week's yeah, episode yeah, yeah. on, uh, of course, Roadhouse, an all time, all time classic. Uh, <laughs> before I speak about anything else, I must, of course, per my contractual obligation to the uh, official man, uh, Mission Impossible. Uh, fan club uh, announced that the best and most exciting entertainment news of the entire week is that two days ago it was announced that Mission Impossible 7 and 8 uh, are going to be made back to back and released in the summer of 2021 and 22. Uh, and you might say, well, when are we going to get that's a long time to wait for Tom Cruise. Oh, no, my friends. Summer of 2020, you get him back as Pete Maverick Mitchell in Maverick Top Gun. Uh, so it, it cannot get inverted. Cannot. Yes. <laughs> you cannot get more exciting than not one, uh, but two new Mission Impossible films directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Uh, so that is just uh, mind blowing when I heard that. Fantastic, fantastic news. And yeah. eventually we're going to get Jim to watch. Uh, did you see Rogue Nation yet? I did. I saw I saw everything. Oh, so but Fallout. You need to see Fallout. OK, yeah. so yeah. Fallout, which I think is a- approaching, uh, surpassing the original Mission Impossible for me. Yeah, I've, I've heard it's really good. Yeah, I know. So um, I tagged you in that post from Harrison from uh, the Doom Plugs podcast. He is a huge fan and he's been uh, chatting it up on Twitter a lot. Um, I, so I definitely have to check that out. Yeah, I think it's there. OK, uh, now let's get into last week's show, because there, the more I listen to the the listen back, there's so much stuff to unpack <laughs> from that episode that I was it was almost fact check of Roadhouse episode was almost an episode yeah, in it itself. Could, it could have done, done a, that, yeah. a whole. I honestly could have done a whole episode just on a three minute segment of Katie yeah. uh, from last week. We could have done the whole thing on just her answer on breast augmentation. Could have been a whole episode. <laughs> could have been a whole episode in itself. Uh, so we had some fact check homework. Uh, we were talking last week about the idea of uh, Patrick Swayze at one point uh, putting jeans on with no underwear. Yeah. Uh, and I attempted this today. I hate not in pu- not that. in public. I, I, I just I was at home and I, I tried um, I put blue jeans on with no underwear and it is uh, was not as bad as I expected it to be. Uh, but I still don't believe that anybody could actually function in society walking around comfortably doing I, that. Yeah, that's terrible. It's terrible. The, I, the, yeah, go ahead. The, the there was two bad parts. The yeah, most there's, I, I, yeah, I hope the, there's at yeah, least two. Yeah, no, no, but I'm I'm in, in the most uncomfortable aspect of it was the pockets <laughs> in the back. Oh, 
That's not – I did not yeah. expect that. Well, no, no. The other – the front part is just terrifying. The psychological idea of what could happen there. It's just, you know, having one of those Ben Stiller moments from something about Mary. How'd you get the Franks above the beans? Yeah, that is terrifying. But it was not as bad – I would – now – I still think that was just an excuse for them to show Patrick Swayze's ass mm -hmm. um, and that he's putting on the jeans. Well, the so. ladies love the buns, right? Yeah, I guess it was Patrick Swayze. But uh, <laughs> now we know you would not do that. You yeah, did not and I, I, I got, a, I got a little bit here. So I checked in with Katie. She said she tried it as well today just for a, a second. And she basically came to the conclusion that this is not a scenario that you would ever really want to be in. However, if you were in an emergency where in somehow your underwear was not available or and you needed to rush, not you it, could do it, it, it right. you know. Right. Now that's um in a world in which people are just sleeping naked. Yeah. Which yeah. has never really been and something a fire. that I've Yeah, I I I've never really no, it's, live that where I think it's one of those movies things where everybody's sleeping naked. Everybody's, know. you know, wearing outfits that are, you know, that and uh, it also takes place on Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club. Right, right. I think those are the so, type of people. Who and are probably for me, going. I'm just out of that conversation completely. I'm not putting jeans on. I've actually ventured into having some more some more you know, tailored fit jeans. So yes. there's not as much, Welcome. there's not as much room in that yes. area generally. Uh, I, so you uh, don't, uh, you don't, you don't want to be having that, that zipper anywhere near no, where that is. So. Now that I think of it, would it, would, would it be more enticing if the button fly still existed? Did you ever own a button, button fly, fly does jeans? still exist, but no. And I have seen them. I have, um, you know, if you like, I think Levi still offers a button. Fly oh, they really do. Yeah. I had a pair and I found them. I did not like them. Now, this is when they originally came out. I thought it was a weird invention, honestly. Uh, well, I didn't think it was an invention. I thought it was like a th like a like a throwback to like the way that they used to make jeans. Oh, was it? I didn't realize that. Hmm. All right. Hmm. Uh, a couple other quick things, again, from just that whole three minute segment of Katie. Um, has anybody attempted to collect a thousand dollar bounty on getting a naked picture of you? Has no. there been like paparazzi like not, hanging not, about? And, not that I know of. No. Um, I was a little concerned for you there. She <laughs> le legitimately that could be deemed a verbal contract. She offered on the airwaves a thousand dollars for someone to not, get a naked picture of you. Not cool. That not was a little. Cool. Uh, we also had a really interesting uh, discussion with her where she made the revelation that if you did not have daughters, she would have purchased herself uh, breast implants. Oh yeah, which, yeah, that, that which happened. Led, which led me to wonder, uh, what would you purchase then? Because I think it would only been fair that if she had been able to do that and you didn't have kids, that you would be able to purchase. So what would you use your money for? A better guitar? Like, I mean, mm. breast implants are not cheap. No, I, I you should have be able to get yourself know. something pretty nice then, right? I guess so. Maybe like a a Tesla. There you go. Mm -hmm. uh, more practical. Yeah, I think that would be a little bit more practical. Yeah, uh, believe it or not. Uh, okay, we had or maybe I would just purchase the breast implants. <laughs> no, that'd be good. That's not a bad. Maybe you would get some button fly jeans. Yeah, 
they're collector's items. Uh, we also had some questions uh, on social media, and feel free to go on Facebook and check. Uh, we had some great questions this week from coming from last week's show. Uh, who is the best sidekick in film history when Jerry took a shot at you, calling yeah, you Katie's yeah, yeah. sidekick? So some great answers if you're looking for that, uh, the people. And then we also did, uh, is there a modern connection uh, to Patrick Swayze? So if you're not following us on Facebook, follow us on Facebook, and you can go on there, um, and you can see people's responses mm-hmm. to those vitally important questions uh and that is fact check awesome and now by the way i did want to say the modern day patrick swayze people were comparing him to denzel and tom hanks that's like that makes no sense that's like uh, i think they just got caught up in the versatility idea that they can do different things right I mean, those Again, guys Patrick are... Patrick Swayze was never given roles like that, which we talked about last week, if you listen to the show. We, right. we said that. He, he had never gotten an opportunity to really do something. And Meryl Streep. I mean, th- those three are like three of the best actors that we'll ever see. It's, he is not even close to their level. Oh, yeah. Well, that's true. They are amazing. Uh-oh. Oh, there's Katie. feel like my name is being slandered out here. Are you wearing elephant ears? What? What? What is that? Are you wearing elephant ears, Brian? Yeah. Wants to know. Yeah, I heard him. Yes, oh, I am, okay. Brian. Sometimes okay. I just put these on because I enjoy them. And they're my children's. And she's also them. drinking what appears to be wine out of a Pringles Ooh, cup. Pringles can, perfect, <laughs> just like this. I don't think we were slandering you. I just said that I believe you know you probably can't hear this. I said that we could do a whole episode off just of three minutes. Katie, for those listening to the podcast, so all I could find was this little travel guy of a Sutter home Merlot that I won in a raffle. Yeah, I was going to say, from when was that? Is that from college? You're supposed to actually get something from the raffle. They, they, yeah. yeah, I got some little like little like vodkas. We could have just given them the money to send that to (laughs) someone else. I thought that that looks like something that could have been Jim's Christmas gift for next year. You ruined it. You could have just given that it's to him. That's a great idea. That's too big. There's more. That's too, Thank yeah, you. Is, <laughs> They're already in the gift big. closet. I'll yeah. just keep that, that, them there, there for the next go. 11 yeah. months. I think next year for Christmas, Jim should get <laughs> right, a bottle. I'll leave you two to your fun. Bye. Bye. Jim should get a bottle of that and that uh, ladder that Katie was going to get rid of last week with the snowmen on it. Oh, that, that went. So I think we took that somewhere. I don't know. It's going to the dump. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go. This is this is. We'll see how this goes today. We have never attempted to do this. We're going to try to do uh, two films in one episode. Yeah. Uh, many people would say we barely can do one film in an episode uh, very well. So we're going to just double up on it now. Yeah. Uh, with M Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable and Split. A film <laughs> companion piece uh, that will turn into a film being released actually tonight. Uh, we're doing we do shows Thursday night. Uh, Glass, which is being released, and uh, uh, there's a big snowstorm coming to the East Coast, so we'll see if <laughs> we can actually get to the film this yeah, weekend. Yeah. But we're hopeful of going to see it. Um, so let's talk a little bit about. Unbreakable, uh, which Jim had pitched long ago, back in the the beginning of mm-hmm. the show, uh, as a film he wanted to do. So, what what drew you to Unbreakable as a, a film, and why don't we remind people a little bit about what Unbreakable is? Yeah, so I, I wanted to watch Unbreakable because I remember really liking it when it came out. Um, I had watched. Um, I had watched Split and I knew that at the end of Split, there was this kind of, uh, you know, twist 
ending that led you to connect these two movies that they're happening in the same universe. Um, and so I wanted to rewatch Unbreakable uh, because I remember really liking it. And, and you know, it was filmed in Philly. There's a lot of Manioc where where we right? lived. I mean, that was I didn't I forgot how close. Yeah, that was to where we lived. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly close, somewhat close to our Seville house. But uh, one of the years that Jim and Katie had bought their first home, yep. I lived in a different part of Manioc. And that was literally like one block away right, from right. where they did. The yeah. And so, uh, basically, Unbreakable is M. Night's um, crack at a superhero movie. Um, and, of course, in his in his style, he, he makes it creepier and darker and um, a, little, uh, a little more interesting um, than, say, like the Marvel Universe. But I will say that if, when you think about the time period that this came out, I think it really did pave the way for the grittier, darker comic book characters to kind of have a place like uh what what netflix is doing with um daredevil and and the punisher and what became of the christopher nolan uh batman Batman. stuff i think i think um you know this this predates all of that Um, yeah i I think the probably the i'm trying to think of other comic book movies uh this predated i think by a year right around that time x-men the first, the Brian Singer first X Men. Uh, maybe Blade was out there, mm-hmm. but certainly That's comic true. book. But but again, they were that I wasn't mean, like. Was um, big, but it was a very different style. Yeah, I think. that that was that was you know grittier, and that was not grittier. I would say that that is more violent, but it was not yes. like the gritty realism of Batman. No, it and, was no. Yeah. It's, it, agreed, you're absolutely right on that. Yeah. So. M. Night actually finished the script for this the day that The Sixth Sense was released. Uh, and actually, I, what I found interesting is apparently he was really concerned because early reviews of The Sixth Sense were not great. In fact, he had got panned in The New York Times and was like, all right, I guess this is, is going to be a bomb. This is going to be a bomb and it's going to be awful, whatever. And he's like, well, I got to finish this thing. And it turns obviously into a massive hit. The yeah, Sixth it's Sense. on the AFI best 100 yeah, best films well, of all time. It is that good. Um, so that freed him up to pretty much do whatever he wanted. And he, he had this film, which I think conceptually was very odd for that time period. Oh, yeah. you, you hear about a comic book movie now. It's like, yeah, well, whatever. I mean, they're turning Archie into uh, uh, a, a show that everybody loves watching Riverdale. Right. You know, every right. comic is getting something. Well, the funny point. thing about this is that it's not technically a comic book movie, right? Like his idea was that he wanted to write a superhero movie that was sort of based on comic books, but and and obviously love he loves comic books. You can tell that through and through yeah. in this movie. Um, but this isn't a comic book that has existed. It's it's uh, no no it's yeah, not. Yeah. He's going at the different. It's more I think more a comic book in terms of its uh, its its look and its its style and thematically than it is yep. a superhero you know yeah. extravagance. Um, so they gave him a huge budget. Jim and I were talking about this yeah. before the show. $73 million. And for the life of me, <laughs> it is difficult for me to figure out where that the is. Now, only- granted, Bruce Willis was a big time star at this point. And Samuel L. Jackson was, too. Yeah, but Bruce Willis. Um, well, he just came off Sixth Sense. That's really he, the movie. He did, he but I, I mean, what's the most back then were $10 million. 
you know what I mean? Yeah. Like guys weren't making 20 million and this this isn't that type of mm-hmm. film. Um, and Samuel as well, but I don't think I, I I don't know what their salaries. It's a this is a big you, budget movie for back then. Do you think that they used a lot of special effects to to get the those palettes of color that? Um, so there's I, like this middle. So so I don't yes. want to jump too far ahead, but there is uh, David Dunn, who was our main character. Um, starts to realize through a series of uh, well, first off, he survives a train crash. He's the only survivor of a train crash just outside of Philadelphia. Um, and then, you know, in, in the coming days, he finds a letter on his car <clears throat> that drives him to find Limited Edition, which is a comic book shop art gallery that is owned by Elijah Pierce. I think his name is. I think so. Yeah. Um, who is uh, Samuel Jackson? Uh, I forget the name of the disease that he has, or the or the uh, the disorder, yeah, I, but well, it basically like makes bones. his bones brittle, and right. and he's had at this point in his life he's had like f- fifty two bone breaks, um, and he starts to tell Bruce Willis that he thinks that he uh, if if he can exist, someone whose bones break whenever they're like touched. Then someone there might there must be someone that's on the opposite end of the spectrum as him, um, and which he would consider a superhero. Um, yeah, and and he talks about how so they call this the East Rail One Seven Seven tragedy. One Seventy Seven tragedy survives, and and then uh, Samuel Jackson keeps talking about how there's been all of these disasters recently where people have been dying and, and, and this is what he's been looking for. Someone who's like this and mm-hmm. apparently Bruce Willis is this. And we, we get into this idea of like you're saying, does he have some kind of superpower mm-hmm. super person? And, um, go ahead. And so Bruce Willis starts to sort of groom him in a superhero way. Like it, or I'm sorry, uh, Samuel Jackson starts to groom Bruce Willis and, you know, he's teaching them all about comics and, and like, you know, the, the archetypes of, of comics and, and things like that. And, you know, how there's, you know, you, you, you probably have never been sick and, you know, all this blah, blah, blah. Um, and then he realizes that Bruce Willis can also sort of have like almost like a spidey sense, which is like he can uh, when someone touches him, he can actually kind of see a little bit of their past, um, especially if it seems like they have committed some kind of crime uh that he he can kind of catch a vision of it, um, and so during those scenes where that's happening, uh, there's a really cool scene where there where Bruce Willis finally agrees that like maybe there's something to this, and he's like, I, what should I do? And and uh, Samuel Jackson's like, go to where people are. So he t- he goes to uh, a train station, um, and he just kind of stands there, and as people pass, he kind of like sprays his arms out a little bit, and as people brush past him and touch him. He uh, he gets visions of, you know, the crimes that they've committed. And in that scene, it's a very dull um, kind of color palette. You know, it's all grays and blues and really dark. Um, But the people that touch him are often wearing like red or orange or something bright that makes them stand out. 
Um, and so I was just wondering, do you think that is somewhere where they might have spent I, money? Like, yeah, at maybe that time, yes. was it, did it cost a lot to do visual Not, effects like that? A, a little, but I, I mean, some of that's just lighting. I mean, some of they can, they can change that with gels and stuff like that. I think, first of all, visually, this movie has a really, um, there's a slow pace to this. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's brooding. Like and... uh, almost brutally like uh, to take a line from you. I like this movie. I didn't love it. Yeah. I liked it. I watched it. I, I visually, I find it really interesting. Oh yeah. I want to um, talk to you about that. Yeah. That I find really interesting. Um, here's where I personally think just from a, a budget perspective, probably a lot of money went he, for whatever reason. And by the way, he was apparently a major a-hole during the filming of this movie, like major self-absorbed a-hole. Um, like, that happened you know, as a lot, it seems with directors. <laughs> yeah, but he was young, you know, so he was only 29 doing this. Yeah. He shot this whole movie in sequence, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever to do. Mm -hmm. So part of this is he had to hold, you know, so usually what would happen is I, I think that's the U University of Pennsylvania football stadium. Am I right? It that is. Yeah. There? Yep. So usually I, the way a film works is they rarely ever shoot in continuity. Certainly when it's when it's not on a sound stage, they will almost never do that because you have to rent these spaces. Mm -hmm. So usually they'll rent it for a certain number of days and that's it. We'll film all the scenes. We're in and out of the stadium. He had to keep holds on these places to keep using it. Mm -hmm. Samuel L. Jackson, they had to pay him for three months to live in Philly. He only shot 13 days. Yeah. So that's the stuff. I mean, that house is a Maniunk house. Now, yeah. A lot of people who watch us or listen I know what a Maniunk house is because they'd either been to our Maniunk houses or they're from film. That was filmed in there. That was not filmed in a soundstage. That is right. that is a man. So they had to keep all these locales. Now, we've talked about shooting in sequence one other time on this show. And that's when Christopher Columbus decided to shoot in sequence in the first Harry Potter movie. And it made a lot of sense because none of those kids had ever been in a movie before. Right. So he thought it would be difficult for them to shoot out of sequence. Right. right. Bruce Willis does not need to shoot out of sequence. Right. I Samuel wonder why. Jackson, I, I wonder if he was trying to preserve the idea of the twist. I think so. I think he was probably trying to say to Bruce Willis, we don't want you to feel what it's like until you realize who you are and all. But he's overthinking Bruce, it. Bruce, Bruce Willis is a pro. Well, this is a guy who's done the sixth set. He's done all. The, there's no reason to do that. And I think the other thing um, that part of the reason this uh, this uh, film took so long was his like Stanley Kubrick esque. Uh, framing of some of oh these my god. shots, I, uh, I, which I, are I was gonna, great, yeah. but oh my god, like no re there's no there's almost no reason for it in terms of the scope of what type of film he's making to do something like I that. I love the one on the train when it's going between the seats. Oh yeah, and, great. And it, that it is, keeps yeah. panning back and forth yeah. depending on who's talking, and then at the final like moment, you realize there's a little kid there. 
who it's almost like from her perspective that and that was kind of that was kind of fun but then no, the, I, yeah yeah there are some <clears throat> but there are some really cool sequences the trains yeah. one uh the hospital thing oh he did my these god ridiculously long takes the the Doug train Stamper. is a, the, the train is a one one take uh where he, they start out with the guy who's dying and they slowly push in on bruce wells these really he's doing these really long takes mm-hmm Lots of push-ins uh, and push-outs. But, I mean, I appreciate it. That's probably – honestly, if this type of stuff wasn't in the movie, I probably would have been more almost hovering thumbs down to thumbs up. Uh, I, I, yeah, I really liked it. Um, and we could, why don't we just – let's just talk about some of our favorite parts. And then if you had any any big problems. Because yeah. we're going to – if we're going to get through both. Yeah, we got to um, go to split So too. my favorite part of this, I think, is um, the scene where he comes back after rescuing the family. So when he's in the train station, he bumps into the janitor and he realizes the janitor has, like, basically uh, – taken a, a serial fam- killer a serial killer right he's like yeah. taken a family hostage in their own house um has killed the father and and has the children and mother like locked away so bruce willis follows him um and tries to and this is like him first testing out his superhero powers um and so he goes into the house he rescues uh, the kids unfortunately the mother's passed away um and the, my favorite part of this whole thing is the next morning when he's at home, his son, who has been on, has heard the whole thing that, uh, that uh, uh, the Elijah has said, Mr. Glass, that, um, you know, that he thinks he's a superhero and his, and his son believes it like immediately um, yes. and has been struggling with it the, the, throughout the movie. Um, and he, while they're eating breakfast, he just kindly slowly pushes mm-hmm. the newspaper across the table that has the article about um, the, basically the children uh, re- recounting th- they were saved by a guy in a in a hood. Yeah. Um, I, and, Which I and, thought and was the son cool, just crying and uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's th- a good sequence. Yeah, yeah. It's a good sequence. There, there are a lot of really I just liked um, visually, I thought the way he frames some of very much like comic book panels, mm-hmm. the the use of color. I, I do think uh, when he was constantly shooting through glass or reflections with Samuel L. Jackson, which will make sense at the end with the twist mm-hmm. and, and all, I thought that stuff was was done in a really intriguing way and i i enjoyed from a just a filmmaking perspective visually what he did with some of these choices the one part of the also one part of the writing that i really liked for this movie is that um and it was a little bit of the spielberg influence i think coming through is like stupid little things like with the babysitter um where you know they come
You there? Hello. Yeah, we're back. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I thought there were some interesting things in the movie. Uh, I thought the pacing at times um, was obviously very deliberate. And, yeah. I, and I do, again, I appreciate the, the filmmaking aspect of it. I think there was a little bit overindulgent. Which, by the way, I don't necessarily in mind because I like Kubrick films. I don't think he's of the caliber of Kubrick, I think, uh, in terms of the visuals. Uh, like for – you know that scene? I found this wild. Uh, you know the scene – so we're so the, there's this whole – I don't want to say side story, but he was going to get divorced from his wife right. and all this stuff. And they start to kind of rebuild their relationship and you learn that he, he was uh, supposed to be the best football quarterback ever maybe. Yeah, yeah. And he pretends he gets hurt because they get in a car accident because he, he wants to be with her. So right. he pretends he can't and he's learning about. So there's all this stuff about the despair and he's wears green because it's drab and he doesn't feel like his life has any meaning and all this stuff. So they get back together, they reconnect, they go on a date, which, again, was a very cool frame shot, push in great acting by Bruce Willis and Robin Wright. Yep. But then there's a sequence where Willis scoops her up yeah. when they've reconnected. That shot. They spent 11 hours filming that. 11 hours (laughs) to visually capture that. Do you know at one point in the filmmaking, um, the camera operator left. He was done. He told told M. Night to F off and left, and M. Night had to run after him. Because M. Night was standing there saying, you need to spin the camera a quarter of an inch when Bruce says it. That's what he was doing. And and this film feels at times a little too pretentious. Oh, yeah. I mean, Uh, that that is that is M. Yeah. Just like I I appreciate that it's a different type of. But, dude, come on. You are not making 2001 Space Odyssey. mm -hmm. You know, this is not. The Shining. You know, this is I thought the acting was good. I thought it was an interesting premise. Mm-hmm. Samuel L. was good. Some cool stuff in it. This is not 2001 Space Odyssey, even no. though I loved some of the stuff he did. I thought he did a great job. Um, but per M. Night, we have this whole buildup of Bruce Willis starting to realize we thought he cat and then he's got to have the M. Night twist. Yeah. The what twist. is the M. Night twist at the end? So the twist is that um that Mr. Glass, the uh, Samuel Jackson, has basically been causing all the disasters uh, so that he could find the unbreakable man, you know, um, which and and basically Elijah says, you know, the worst thing in the world is to not understand your place in it. And I think I finally understand mine, which is your nemesis, your villain, your arch enemy, um, you know. I'm, you know, basically saying that he's super smart and, uh, yeah, I thought it was a cool sequence. You see, you see all the disasters sort of play out in different ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, he, yeah cause Bruce Willis sees it. The, yeah. the, the flashback scenes were cool. They did a good job. I love that. the part. I, and one of the things that you didn't mention, and I didn't think this part was overindulgent, um, with the filmmaking is how at certain times he slowed down the frame rate. Yes. Yeah, they did um, a good. He did it. He did a nice job with that. So it happened. He sped it up in the flashbacks. Yes, so, he did. So the frames were faster in the flashbacks, and then, um, you know, in certain times in the in the in the current timeline, um, you know, when he snuck up behind the guy and strangled him to death in the house or whatever, 
Mm-hmm. Um, they slow it down and it just looks really cool. Um, yeah, I listen, I again, this is a film I liked. Uh, I did find it weird mm-hmm. that they could, ended with that, like, subtitle. Thing. Yes. That do you know what that reminded me of? Um, they do the same thing at the end of the French connection. OK. Uh, and I hated it then. <laughs> and the French connections a much better movie than Unbreakable. Right. So if I hated it at the end of uh, uh, French connection, then I certainly am not going to. I don't know. I thought, again, it was sorry. I spilled something uh, a, li- a little weird. Uh, a little weird, a little overindulgent. Uh, they get the twist. So that's the movie ends. OK. <laughs> and M. Night goes on to make The Village, which eh. I believe I saw with Jerry. Yeah, he, uh, and that was very slow. Oh, uh, very slow. And uh, then and, it all kind of. St- no, and I actually. Well, whoa, 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 hold on. Before before we say everything goes downhill, I actually like Lady in the Water. I think. Uh, I, 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 I think it was okay. I don't think it was as bad as some people. No, I don't. And I think as far as like a fairy tale type movie, I thought it was pretty yeah. cool. Um, but it's yeah. And then it just things go downhill with that. After what the Earth. happening after Earth. Um, yeah. And so like Ed Wahesh in, in the chat says, what was the M. Night twist for after Earth? And Jerry said the twist was that Will Smith can make a bad movie. Yes. Well, I would argue he might have done that with Wild Wild West, which I oh, think came out before After Earth. But that's true. Jerry is true. I mean, it's 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 true. So M. Night now, Hitch just, is a good movie. Oh, God. Hitch, please. Uh, so then M. Night kind of. Oh, God. We didn't even mention the last airbender. I never that's probably saw the worst one of the whole bunch yeah. of his movies. So. Let's speak fair. His overindulgent, pretentious self um, started to hit some road, you know, some yeah. speed bumps. Uh, and then all of a sudden, a couple of years ago, he releases a very moderately financed film, Split. Yeah, well, there was one before that that actually people liked too, and I yeah, don't think he directed like, it. Uh, I can't remember, but Devil? it was one of those like found footage type things it he was started to called, do called devil right and about the yeah, elevator he did a couple of small you know <clears throat> smaller pieces and yeah. then he hit huge with split uh which is a movie that came out of nowhere a nine million dollar budget mm-hmm. ends up making 278 million dollars worldwide oh we totally forgot signs <clears throat> oh signs and which i like, I like. Signs. yeah signs, I like signs, signs is great i, kn- I mean yeah, there's potholes galore but i love yeah. it swing yeah, away signs is a good Swing that, away. Yes, that that's true. Uh, so Split comes out, mm-hmm. and all the advertising is you, you see James McAvoy, um, who stars in this film as Kevin, mm-hmm. um, who well stars in this film as many characters. So to give you yeah. a little idea of what this is about, is basically James McAvoy plays somebody with uh, personality, multiple personality disorder. And now there's a, a official name. I think it's associative something yeah, yeah, yeah. or other. I, um, but he kidnaps three young girls um, from the King of Prussia Mall. Yeah. Um, and brings them to this, we don't know where, underground lair that we don't know about. And uh, a really intriguing movie, uh, kind of a cat and mouse game between uh, one of the girl characters um, 
who's is she the girl? There is a Claire, but that's not the the lead girl. I'm trying to remember the Cassie and James McAvoy's many personalities. Uh, And this Mm -hmm. is kind of was a was a creepy. It was made with uh, Bloomhouse Productions, which Mm -hmm. does lots of creepy movies. Creepy vibe. Um, James McAvoy um, keeps talking about the beast. The beast is coming. We don't know who it is. And McAvoy is great in this. Amazing. He is playing different accents he's male female all these different characters um and you're watching and you're watching and you're watching and then we'll kind of jump ahead and we'll go back to the movie but at the very end of the film what you think is this is just a creepy ass film with a guy who could be a serial killer he's in a basement somewhere yeah it pans out and you realize it was all taking place in the like underneath the philadelphia zoo which i don't want to go back to no and then there's a bunch of people watching a newscast in a diner and it was like, hey, that story sounds a lot like that that thing from like uh, 10 years ago. 10 years, years, years ago or whatever. Yeah. Remember that guy? Who's, who's his name? Yeah. And then it like and then it like pans back and Bruce Willis is sitting at the counter and he's like, Mr. Glass. Yeah. And it's tied in now watching it, knowing <clears throat> that that's where it's going. There's lots of signs that right. lead to that. Right. But again, through, I would say, 75 percent of this film, you think this is almost a creepy, independent thriller. Oh, yeah. um, you know, then all of a sudden James McAvoy starts. He goes into a, a train mode. car because he uh, goes into a train car, rips off his shirt, and he starts crawling on the ceiling. And you're like, where the hell did this come from? Yeah. This thing starts getting wild. And well, it ties in that his father died, right? Is that where on the East Rail 177 tragedy? Oh, is that what it is? And he was stuck with his nut job mother who had a hanger and like turned him into yeah. uh this thing but he too had these powers as well um well, you know that well they actually say that like his his powers is that is that he can like change his body based on the the personality, personality. and so when the beast takes over he's basically like not uh, not unlike the beast from like x-men like he's not he doesn't turn blue but he's you know like almost like running on all fours and like he can crawl on the ceiling and and he's super strong and um but and apparently he also likes to likes to um kill anybody that's not damaged in some psychological which is the opposite of every thriller which i thought was really interesting usually the people who get killed are the ones who have sex right like when you look at the 1980s like horror films like the the virgin has sex and then she's dead yeah and this one it's the opposite of it there is some creepy stuff in this film yeah just like creepy monstery stuff but just the whole idea that casey the girl was sexually assault like yes. that whole sequence with that guy getting naked in the woods right. and it's still and, lot- yeah. oh my god i'm sorry and then, and then uh her father dying oh yeah i mean there was all of this yeah are we to assume that the uncle killed the father you think that's what i was kind of like was there some kind of hunting it accident sounded so, like he had a heart attack right i think i didn't I know or remember. did he give him drug i just thought he wanted unfettered access yeah maybe to, uh quick question for you here mm-hmm. uh better dance sequence james mcavoy <laughs> in split or oscar isaac and ex machina <laughs> Oh, Oscar Isaacs is way better. Oh, it's with the robot. <laughs> I know that was it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, 
also back to back weeks here where people getting killed with shotguns or being shot with shotguns. Mm-hmm. My question is, where were all the knives? We yeah, want. I want. I want. I want to find another film that has as many knives yeah. as Roadhouse. Where's the boot knife? Oh, I mean, did you get that? Did you find it on Amazon? I did not get it yet. Is that I, technically street legal? Like, do I you think, think I want to. I want to. I think we should create a Com Majors merch store and start yeah. offering things like that, like the boot knife, and have it engraved like CM or something. So I when like you like that. when you kick someone, you will have like I a bloody like indent. Get something like that in Texas. Probably. I'll have to call Uncle Doug and see if he can. Yeah, see if that's uh, also second question here. Mm-hmm. Um, this is might be my preference, but the the, the character you find out the end. One of the things is Kevin Wendell Crumb was yes. James McAvoy's real name, the child who's abused and everything. And it got me thinking. I actually think I prefer the John Candy film. Who's Harry Crumb <laughs> to this movie? No. I do. I who's think Harry I, Crumb is terrible. I, I think I prefer Who's Harry Crumb to this movie. And I like this movie. I thought this oh was, Again, I thought this was good. I, what I found interesting about this is stylistically, it's so different from Unbreakable, um, which really leads me to I'm very intrigued to go see Glass yeah. and see how do you – compensate for the differences there and in the trailer for glass it does look like he's sort of taking both those worlds and both those color palettes and kind of bringing them together yeah and i but i to me and i've I've read i haven't gone in depth with the reviews i know some of the early reviews from the critics themselves have not been great i would i would think that this would be a hard film to pull off believe it or not and i'm really intrigued to see what he's gonna do because i feel like stylistically visually thematically they're very different films Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people who are split fans would not necessarily be unbreakable fans you know, it comes out so much like Split was a film that was very popular with younger audiences mm. who almost to the point were barely alive when Unbreakable came out. Right. Right. And and, you know, how do you deal with that? So I'm kind of intrigued to see what what direction he goes yeah. with this um, in terms of what it is. But uh, it really is is a standalone film. Amazing. I, I thought it, it was great. I, I do. I do think it's a good film. I really I did. I did enjoy it. Um, I think know, it's his best I, since. Uh, well, I like signs better, but I like signs better, too. I thought signs I was would good, say this but it's is certainly his best. signs. And then yeah. this. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's fair. I, and I then unbreakable. <laughs> I think I'm. I, here's the interesting thing. I think from a rewatchable thing just for me. If I mm-hmm. had to pick one of the two to rewatch, I think I would rewatch Unbreakable only in the sense that I'm kind of intrigued visually with some of the things that he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not from a story perspective. I actually think character wise, I'm more intrigued by Split. Well, just, the- just having James McAvoy and sort of like getting into that. I The one thing I would love to see is I would have loved to have seen another unbreakable in between the original and this because like i think it was setting us up for a more i don't want to say an action movie but a movie that was more 
Like it could, I would have loved to see more sequences like well, the house sequence. Like I would yeah. love to see him be, you know, more and in, more involved in actually becoming the character that we're probably going to see in Glass versus, you know, just thrusting him in with three other characters that are going to be fighting for space. Well, it's interesting because Kevin Wendell Crumb was supposed to be an Unbreakable. Mm the early draft. So he was always there. Mm -hmm. That character was always there. And um, M Knight cut it out because he thought he wanted to focus on Willis. And, and I think Jackson, I think maybe his belief was he would been able to do it. The movie made pretty good money. I don't think it blew people away. Mm -hmm. Uh, It made good money. Like it certainly made a profit. It's probably going to make up a lot, you know, now. Yes. But I think there was just this feeling like he went in a different direction after, after it. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's interesting. Actually, um, James McAvoy character is actually based on a real person. Really? Uh, Billy Milligan, who was actually the first man ever acquitted, um, for a crime based on a psychological disorder. Wow. He had multiple, and that's where he came from. And actually, um, James McAvoy was not supposed to play him. Oh, really? Who was? Do you want to guess who it was? Who do you think would do it? I mean, was it back? He wasn't back in- he, he's. He was in, no. This is for for even split. Okay. He was supposed to be in this. All right. He he you he has been in an M Night film before. I'll give oh. you a hint. Oh, Re- uh, Joaquin. Yep, Joaquin was supposed to be. Yeah. That's easy. Once you said that, I was like, oh, that's that. That's, Do you know this? The original sense. cut of this. The original cut of this film was uh, three hours. I'd watch that. Yeah, if if it was just the extra of time is just more James McAvoy doing doing more more uh, personalities because like every one of those personalities is so fleshed out and and I and to be fair like I I think McAvoy does an amazing job but I don't I don't I don't want to undercut the the M Night part of that because just like I said with the girl in Unbreakable the 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 babysitter I think he thinks about characters in ways that other other people don't. I think a lot of a lot of storytellers and directors think about characters as far as like specifically like second tier characters is basically like how do they serve the plot and how do they well how do yeah, they and that's usually plot? yes well that's that's something they teach you when you write screenplays too it's right. like you there's almost this idea of um, and you know who did this with like cutthroat efficiency was Hitchcock. Right. It's like every secondary character w- would be there to move the plot along to the point right. where like characters would never show up again. And, and, like, and they so would, like, well, that's fine. And, be gone. and that's fine. And I think he does that with the babysitter with her saying like someone called and it was about yes. New York and also this guy, you know, from whatever called. Yes. But and still, like, but so there's, there's the plot moving, but then yeah. also he lets her get in another line that's just like, this is a character that has their own motivations and their own reactions to things. They're not just a service to the plot. And I think doing that to each one of the personalities and giving them like a lot of um, kind of, I basically gave James McAvoy. I feel like a lot to chew on there. Oh, it had to be amazing. He he was great. I'm I, again. I'm really interested to see the dynamic of him chewing up scenes with all these personalities. <laughs> yeah. Is he going to be them, or is he just going to be the beat? You know where they do that. In contrast to Willis's, just very almost void, emotionally mm-hmm. void performance at points. Yeah. 
And then you mix in kind of Samuel's nut jobby Mr. Glass. Yeah. And, you know, where do they go? So we'll see. And we'll hopefully, again, weather permitting, uh, I don't have far. It only takes me 10, under 10 minutes to get to the movie. So I am going to really try to get there this week so we can talk about it. Um, yeah. yeah. So and can, so oh, um, who was the girl? What was the girl's name um, in Split? Casey. Casey. Or Cassie. Was it Cassie? Casey? Maybe Cassie. I put down Casey, but it could have been Cassie. It probably was Cassie. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Yeah, so she's uh, she in was great. this. She's in yes, the... Yes, she is. She's going to be in Glass. Yeah, so. which, which is awesome because I, that's something I'm also excited to see because at the end of, Unbra- at the end of Split... Um, basically what what happens is she she you know is basically fighting her way to try to get out of this place they're locked in um and she she gets out and the beast is chasing her and he is about to basically kill her she shoots him with a shotgun and nothing happens right yeah and then um he is about to kill her when he realizes that she has suffered abuse as well. Yes. And he basically says, oh, you're one of us. Um, so I'm wondering if that is, is she like, going to be, is she going to have some kind of power? And if so, which, which side? side is she on? She, yeah. I, I can only assume that she has to fall on the good I, side. I can, I can also tell you that, um, Bruce Willis's son will be in the movie again. The actor who played his son. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be a sidekick? Could he be the uh, Robin? Well, we know that he does not have powers because he got beat up by the bullies, right? Or whatever. Yes. <laughs> that, uh, so we'll see. All right. So it's interesting. Uh, both films. Very interesting. Um, glad we got a chance to look at them and we will give you. We will both try. I will make it happen. I will see glass. Yeah. And uh We'll, we'll make that happen. So that is unbreakable and split. Oh, one thing we got to try for fact check. Can you open a deadbolt with a uh, hanger? Because <laughs> I was I was curious about that. Whenever oh, she's locked and she's. That, uh, I, that, sort, is, that would have been really tough, but he sort of yeah. made me believe that it could happen. I don't know. So, Seth, listen, you got to sometimes move past that stuff. Yeah. All right, uh, let's go spanning globe pop culture. There was so much freaking stuff going on this week. It was amazing. Uh, that I just had, was cutting and cutting and going everywhere. And we already talked about Mission Impossible. And I will tell oh, like the how can I have to wait so long is heartbroken for those two films. Uh, mm-hmm. Two other things. And there's other stuff we'll do in upcoming weeks. Two things that jumped out to me uh, that both I thought you and I would be interested in Uh, just announced, I believe it was yesterday, Ghostbusters 3 with Jason Reitman uh, taking over the directing and it's going to be in the realm of the original Ghostbuster films. Uh, There was the all female uh, Ghostbuster film that was actually shot in Easton, Massachusetts, by the way. Uh, The the trailers for all the stars were in my school parking lot. Uh, That was not in that universe. In fact, Bill Murray, I think, Dan, I didn't even see it, but um, but they will be doing that now. um, Will they be in it? I don't know. I would imagine so, since it's Ivan Reitman's kid. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Bill Murray and those guys will get in it. I, I, I just don't know. I, I was not down we'll with the all female Ghostbusters movie, it was not and it had nothing. And it had nothing to do with people who got that ridiculous. Oh, I can't move you. Why are you putting women? In? It had nothing to do with that. I just, to me, it was just something that didn't hold any interest for me in terms of revisiting. Yeah. Um, 
Harold Ramis, unfortunately, has passed away. The great Harold, who who wrote mm-hmm. and direct, you know, wrote those films with Dan Aykroyd. I, I just, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm interested to see. Uh, I'm again. I'm assuming we'll see Bill Murray in it. We'll see Dan Aykroyd in it, and so Dan Aykroyd is looking struggling. I, I don't know if I want to see Dan, Dan Aykroyd physically. Uh, Bill Murray, you could put in anything. Uh, we're going to do a Bill Murray movie soon, so I can tell my Bill Murray story about meeting Bill Murray. I, there's few people I love as much as Bill Murray, and as much as I love him in movies, he was equally one of the nicest people I've ever met. So um, Jerry's I can't, being Jerry's being a jerk. And Were there st- stars in the new Ghostbusters movie? Oh, well, yeah, I, kinda, dude. <laughs> I, I did, but that movie, I, I don't know. Uh, it wasn't but it, good, I, but it wasn't their fault. It wasn't good. No, no, no. I just, I thought it was a weird idea. Uh, second thing that I am absolutely a hundred percent. You know, it's so interesting is like these two things broke, and they're really different things <laughs> of issues I have real problems with. Here we go retrudging Ghostbusters, right? Mm-hmm. And on the opposite end, it's announced that Netflix is producing uh, a show called Space Force, which is going to be <laughs> Greg Daniels and Steve Carell. And Steve Carell is going to be in charge of creating Donald Trump's Space Force. Right. Uh, but what I love about this mm-hmm. is in the, the last few months, you've been all these people saying to Steve Carell, oh, do the office again, do the office again, do the office again. I freaking love that he could have backed up a freaking dump truck and NBC would have just started pouring cash into it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he's going to get a fortune for doing Space Force as well, but he's doing something different. And I, I absolutely love yeah. that, that he's collaborating with people that he works extremely well with, but he's willing to do something different as opposed to just rehashing territory that he already did fantastically right uh did you see the big uh what is it the um the too big to fail movie what was it called um oh uh Adam only McKay. parts of it i have to watch the whole thing it's, all, it's heard... great it's great yeah. he's great in it. but what i'm wondering is if is if space force because it's going to be on netflix right Yes. Is it going to be rated R? Is it going to be? Oh, I think so. Because you know, Netflix, yes, I think it will be. Because I don't think Netflix is under no illusion to go sell stuff in the syndication. Right. right. So they have complete. You know, I, I would love for this to be sort of. I don't know if you've seen Veep, but if it is, have, if yes, it is yeah. sort of in that vein, I I'm, think it will be. That's, I think it's going to be amazing. But I just, I again, I just think it's so refreshing that the easy play was, yeah. All right, hey, let's do a Office revival. We go back to Scranton. We figure it out, and it's just, you know, we'll pay John Krasinski somehow to show up for like an episode somehow, and right. they'll explain how Pam's there, and it would just be like. You if you know what it is, it would feel good at first. Mm-hmm. I feel like for the first ten minutes, and then you're like, no, yeah. this. There was a reason the show came to an end. Yeah, uh, but this, I'm I'm psyched about that. Yeah. All right, so many, so many. Yeah. New trailers broke this week for our instant. Re- I had an original one we were going to talk about. I ditched it. Then I found another one. I thought this is perfect. Then there was a second new one. Then there was a third new one. Then there was a fourth new one. And I said, well, we just have to do two and we'll get to the other stuff and maybe we won't be so topical. We'll be a week behind. Yeah. Uh, 
Game of Thrones teaser trailer dropped, which we can just talk about for a second because there's yeah. no footage from the season. But they do claim within the next few weeks a full trailer well, is supposed to drop. I'm with wondering. Real footage. There's a few things here that, uh, uh, you know, for for those that are big fans of Game of Thrones, that uh, is, is super exciting when you see this trailer. One. Um, and I've been reading those books since Christ, since you worked at Barnes and Noble. Yes. Um, Brian actually got me the fourth book, I think, when when it came out. Um, Before, I think I was able to we were yeah. able to like purchase it like yeah. when it came out of the box. I think it, it came out of the box. It was supposed to come out at midnight, and I think I took it back, so you yeah. had it like at twelve thirty or yeah. something like. And. Uh, I've been waiting for the Stark children to be reunited since the first book and to see them all in the same room. And if, if you're not keen to what was going on in that trailer, obviously you have Arya and Sansa and John, but Bran was also there. If you notice when John was first walking, there was that black feather um, and they took note to like zoom, not zoom in on it, but but to notice it. And so like t- saying that the Raven, the one eyed Raven, who is brand now is sort yeah. of who is like omnipresent. Right. He's yeah. he's everywhere. Um, and seeing that is really cool. Um, and it's foreboding, too, because you see the statues of them in the crypt, which basically means that they've they've all been killed. Um, or, or have all passed on. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what that means. I don't know if that means anything. I don't know. It, it, sound, it sounds like that was just shot as a trailer, not as part of like a yeah, dream, I think dream that was, sequence yeah, or anything. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Uh, second one, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. Far From Home. Rob isn't there. Jerry's a jerk. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. It's true. Thanks, Jerry. Rob Rob is doing okay in real life as he, he's, uh, he's uh, there. getting Golden Globe nominations and yeah. – uh, Numerous other things uh, for the bodyguard or mm-hmm. bodyguard. The yeah. bodyguard is. I need to check up. that out, and apparently it's. No, awesome. I want to watch that actually. Let, I, when basketball season's done, I'm going to watch that because I heard it's. I love British shows. Yeah. Uh, now you did not see Spider-Man: Homecoming. Not yet. I've been waiting yes. because I think we're gonna we're gonna watch that eventually. Yeah. So uh, I loved that movie. I thought it was really fantastic tonally, a very John Hughes vibe to it. This Spider-Man Far From Home is everything I love. It's got that 80s, 90s high school kids go to church. And you brought up the best comparable that you immediately immediately refused to allow us to watch. Tell everybody what it was. If looks could kill with Richard Grieco. If looks could kill with Richard Grieco. I just remember the French teacher. Remember, like, you Uh, are the the French French teacher. (laughs) She actually was a French teacher. And And that little lady with the the whips. Yeah. It was fantastic. We should watch that show. Yeah, that movie. I I remember if loving looks, uh, that movie. Oh, uh, what a movie! Richard Grieco. Richard Grieco was a poor man's Patrick Swayze. He was very poor, yeah. very very yeah. poor man's. Like a film with no budget would hire him. Yeah, to, because Patrick Swayze wouldn't do it. Right. Uh, but Spider Man Far From Home. This whole what's really interesting, obviously, is there's a lot of debate in the Marvel universe, right? Is this film everybody? The rumor had been this film's going to take place, um, like right after Endgame, huh. because remember, okay. Spider Man disappeared. Yeah, he's not feeling I, so watched, good. Having watched that trailer, I have two thoughts here that I'm kind of really intrigued to see if they play out, mm-hmm. and I'm interested. I I have a feeling that this actually takes place in between Spider Man Homecoming 
and Infinity War. Like, I think this happens before Infinity War. The other thought I have is there's this whole feeling that they were all transported to like an alt verse almost when they died. Mm -hmm. And what if they don't even know that? And that the only people like Nick Fury was there, all these other mm -hmm. people that we know got dusted were there. And they're kind of living a life where they don't even realize they've been killed. Right. You know, it's interesting they have to see what the villain is going to be here, too, because at first glance, it's all over the map. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm I thought but I love the comedic beats. Again, oh, it was it almost so like good. National Lampoon's European vacation, road trip, yeah. uh elements of one of the underrated great high school films, National Lampoon Senior Trip. Have you ever seen that film? No, do you know what my favorite do you know what my Bro. favorite high school comedy of all time is? What? You don't know. Breakfast Club? No, way later, nineties. Oh, can't hardly wait. Can't hardly wait. Yeah, that's one of his all-time favorite. I love that movie so much. In this light, much. you do look like a young David Duchovny. <laughs> is he in that? Oh no, no, yeah. that's, that's no. That's, that's, that's what they the say line. to him. No, that but you know who is in that is like, um, what's uh, Jason? Oh, what is his name from uh, from uh, How I Met Your Mother? Yes, uh, he's, yep. he's one of the stoners. There's so uh, many people I, in that. I, I would gladly at some point watch that film again. Yeah. For the show. Seth because Green I, is I, amazing. Yep, Seth Green's in it. Everybody. Uh, OK, so those are trailers. Check out if you have not seen Game of Thrones teaser trailer again. The expectation is a full trailer will be coming soon in Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, this week in our continuing effort to bring up um, some new segments to the show, uh, we're bringing back a segment from the Late Night with Brian Costello show of 20 years ago. Go. Signs the apocalypse grows ever near, uh, and we're 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 not going to do actual news because that's too scary. Like that's too scary. So we're going to just do this this great news story I found. Uh, a mother in Kentucky was arrested on Sunday mm -hmm. uh, for allegedly driving drunk with her son in the car. Okay, probably happens in Kentucky a lot. Uh, her rationale for why was intriguing to me. Uh, she said to the police, I was attempting to teach my son a lesson. Uh, she said this 48-year-old uh, woman was arrested at 12.51 and told police, I drank a bunch of beer and got in the car to teach my son not to drink and drive. That is we, we don't uh, need to say much about that. We can move right that on. That is interesting. Yeah. Uh, just and as a follow up, a fact check of a previous sign. Uh, the apocalypse grows ever nearer. Uh, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, Jim and I, we had talked about a uh, a bride who was infuriated at the fact that her bridesmaid uh, got pregnant and was going to ruin her wedding and not have her right. alcohol fueled bridesmaid party right, right, uh, right. in an effort. Because why not? This is 2019, go big, big, uh, or go home, right? To mm -hmm. up this bride. Uh, a bride is now demanding that all her bridesmaids purchase color contacts so that their eyes do not clash with the bridesmaid dresses that she is purchasing. Which leads me to say, Photoshop the shit. 
if you're that concerned, you can have your photographer yeah. change the cut. Have have you um, ever seen any making of movies when people have to put color contacts in? It's awful. It's like horrific for do them. You, like, do you horrible. realize though that like the people that would make these requests are so freaking stupid that they wouldn't even think of that as an option? First off. Fuck you. <laughs> like, I, I don't you, even can, know what else I to say. say this? Could you imagine how lonely your life must be oh. to have to know that? Not forget the person asking that you would be in a, a friend of yeah. a person. Now, I understand if you're like a sibling, there's maybe a, a connection. Yeah, like, to you, it, like you and but Sean. like you're a friend. Like, yeah, uh, I'd be like, dude, this is I, I mean, I almost want to walk out of weddings that don't have Miller Lite. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, let, uh, let alone a color context. Yeah. <laughs> oh God! Uh, and that sign, the apocalypse ever grows near. All right, let's do uh, five questions. All right, time for five questions. We have the uh, shape of water, broken masturbation egg timer, yep. per usual. Yep. It still ticks, but doesn't actually work. It doesn't ring. I don't know. It really ring. Uh, Katie did it last week, and that was just, well, again, a whole, a whole episode. episode. Nothing. Yeah. I don't think this is going to. Uh, we might have to do a Katie compilation episode. Yeah, we'll, I, I don't think that's ever going to lead to uh, this week's questions like that. I'll, yeah. I'll do next week. Uh, all right. Here we go, Jim. So it's for you. Uh, are you thumbs up or thumbs down on movies with twist endings? So it seems like M. Night <laughs> always has to have a twist yeah. ending. What is your thought on twist endings in movies? It depends. I will say thumbs up for the most part, um, but it needs to be done well. Like that's that's my. It's one of those things where if it's bad, it's really bad, and if it's good, it's really good. Um, so I, I have a hard time with that. Um, so I, I I if I had a choice, I would go sideways thumb. But okay. I would say I would teeter at this point. I I know I said thumbs up, but I, I actually would probably say thumbs down on on twist endings. I think that in a movie like, let's say, The Sixth Sense, mm -hmm. brilliant, because yes. it was integral to the whole film. Oh, yeah, yeah. What I don't like is films that just put twist endings and have twist endings. Right. And to Do be you know fair, the, I don't think when the twist – my point is this. When the twist becomes the focal point of the entire film, I think there's something disingenuous about that. Yeah. You know, I, I think – the, one of the single great, I guess you could say, obviously The Sixth Sense, maybe one of the best twist endings to me of all time is the brilliantly um, written unusual, The Usual Suspects. Oh, 100%. That's not... And that, to me, the twist is there, but the twist is at the core of what that film is. Right. It's not just about being a twist. Right. It's about what the heart of the film right. was. And the twist can't be like, what the... F what? Why? For what? Because in, yeah. in, in some of these films, like even some of M. Night's things, invalidates the entire film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the village is one of the ones I think yeah, that yeah. made you made you and feel to like be fair. Watched. I know people say there's a, a twist ending to split, but there's really not. Um, like that's having just kind of a connective tissue. I yeah, think, it's a teaser that says yeah. like, and 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 I think that one's fair to not be the focal point of the movie. No, I think uh, it's, it's a not different. a twist. It's not a twist. Absolutely. All right. Question two: Would you rather meet Bruce Willis or Samuel L. Jackson? Uh, this one was really tough, but I think I would go with Bruce Willis because. 
he's uh he just seems like a weird guy he's he's a blues musician who plays harmonica um and so like i think we would have a lot to talk about all right there you Uh, go uh question three fill in the blank question uh any movie filmed in philadelphia should have a scene filmed in or at blank 30th street station it is unbelievably beautiful in that main hall uh, the ceiling is gigantic. It would be really cool to see something. It looks like there's something from glass taking place in there, which is uh, very cool. Um, and actually, it's one of my things about Unbreakable is that train station that they're in seems fake. That is one of the interiors. I don't know where it is. I would love to figure that out. Um, yeah. But no, there's agreed. something about that Maybe that does not stage. jive. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem right to me. But all right. anyway, question. All right. Question four. Favorite superhero film. The Dark Knight. I saw it on my birthday. Uh, it's a good one. It really is. One. Yeah. Just the just Heath Ledger uh, in general for that movie. Um, there's no there's no other superhero movie performance that even comes close. Not right. even not even like half as good. I don't think. All right, perfect. Final deep thought question. If you were a superhero, would you keep your secret identity or would you let the world know who you were? Mm -hmm. I think it depends on how badass I was. Like if I wasn't scared that anybody could take advantage of me because I was so badass, then, yeah, I would let my identity be known. (laughs) But if if I actually had to worry about the people in my life being hurt because of it, then probably not. I actually like how Marvel has kind of done away with secret identities. You know, there's not really secret identities in the Marvel Center universe, so they kind of ditch that thing that's unbelievable. Like nobody would know Clark Kent is that. Well, or, you Peter know, Parker it, still. I mean, a little bit, but most of the other people they know who they are. I just think that's interesting that they they've done away with with that. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, recommendations. You got anything for this week? Oh, what if uh, if you um. So me and Katie uh, have been watching the Goldbergs. Love that show. Uh, they just had a spinoff uh, that basically called Schooled that takes place in the '90s, where one of the one of the students from the '80s goes away, ends up coming back to be a teacher at the school. Um, and it's actually the first episode. I was halfway through. I was like, okay, this is not going to be good. And it really brings it home in the end. I, I, I enjoyed it. So, and I, I hope they expand upon the '90sness, just like the Goldbergs does with the '80s, which is just uh. amazing. Need the 90s-ness. It's yeah. never a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my recommendation, Yard's Rival IPA. Uh, get some, Jim. You'll like it. Yeah. It's delicious. Uh, also, I've been listening a lot to the Mission Impossible Fallout soundtrack by Lauren Balf, oh, which awesome. is a great soundtrack. And go see Glass. Yeah. You know, go see Glass and let us, let us know what you think about it. Um, all right. Next week. Uh, some might call this an interesting choice. Our first foray <laughs> into the Star Wars universe, uh, and we're going to be doing Solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah, uh, Jim has not seen it, and it's free on Netflix, which is why, <laughs> yeah. which is which is why we're doing it. And I think it will also lead to an interesting thing. We have never done a prequel film, right? Which is something I'm really interested in, intrigued to talk about. Yeah, the so idea this, this will be interesting. So uh, uh, we will see. And I know some we have some people who watch and listen who are really hardcore Star Wars. Yeah, I'm probably going to be extra rough on it. I'm going to have although my expectations are pretty low. Mine were really low. 
I saw it in the theater and I kind of enjoyed it. So okay. we will see uh, plugs, regular stuff. If you get a chance, uh, like us, comment if you could in the pod casting world yeah i'm not sure why it makes a big difference but it but it makes a big difference yes please do that for us uh and that is it yeah that's fantastic right. i think i'm gonna go put on my jeans with no underwear <laughs> and uh call it night go to sleep like patrick swayze would in roadhouse yeah, uh yeah. see glass everybody and we'll be back next week with uh solo adios everybody all right, talk to you soon. See ya.